Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Father, we ask you to, for the anointing of your spirit on your word that you'll make it very, very clear to us and that it'll take deep root in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen been talking about the status and benefits of those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ? Amen. Well, you know, if you are in Christ, then God can't see you outside of Christ. If you're, inside, if you're in Christ, Edric, you can't be seen outside Christ, right? Doesn't that make sense? And uh, we've been talking about the status and the benefits of those of us who because by grace through faith, God has given us the gift of salvation, and it is a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. We thank the Lord um, that now, chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore for those who are in Christ, no condemnation, no shame, no guilt, no punishment to those who are in Christ Jesus. So whatever condemnation you feel didn't come from God if you were in Christ Jesus. Jesus took your punishment. We talked about the difference between correction, which is therapeutic, and healing. And we, uh, every one of us need correction. I mean, don't uh, make any mistake about that. <laughs> we all need correction. If you're like me, I, I probably need some every day. And uh, the beautiful thing is the scriptures say that whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And uh, so, you know, if you're getting corrected, that means you're loved by the Lord. But condemnation is not correction. It is punitive in nature. It's condemning. It's shameful. Um, and um, it's always uh, seeking to be uh, punitive in nature rather than corrective and therapeutic. But those who are in Christ Jesus have no condemnation, who do not walk according to the flesh. We define flesh as those old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving that we had before we were born again. And we carry uh, those old patterns in our flesh as long as we're in this body. But if we walk according to, that is, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, under the control and influence of the Spirit, we're not walking in condemnation because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We talked about how you could compare this to the law of gravity and the law of aerodynamics. As long as you're away resting in that mighty jet plane and uh, operating under the uh, laws of aerodynamics, you're free from the law of gravity. But if you step outside that law of aerodynamics, you immediately become subject again to the law of gravity. So when we stop walking under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit, then patterns of the old flesh rise up. And we have, the, we have uh, symptoms of our old temperament and our old thought life, our old desires, and the flesh is not eradicated by the cross but the power of the flesh and the, listen, the power and the penalty 
of the flesh, of our old person, was nailed to the cross of Jesus. Its power has been broken off of us. Its existence, the existence of the flesh, is going to be there until you exit uh, or Jesus uh, returns. Either way, uh, but as long as we're operating in obedience to, by faith in the Spirit of God, we walk free of the law of sin and death. And I love verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, we have taken off from that verse right there in several weeks of teaching um, about how we are, um, how we operate. Uh, Spirit, soul, and body. And uh, we gave scripture verses on that, et cetera, et cetera. But the, if you don't know how you operate, it's going to cost you something. Um, so we went into how, everybody say this with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Let me say that again. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Your spirit and your soul are inseparable. They're part of your spiritual being. And your spiritual being is what's going to live forever. But you know what? You're also going to, have, you're going, you're going to get a new body to live with the Lord forever. Because my old body and yours old body contains sin, and, and uh, we've got to have a new one. And uh, praise God, he has already paid for a brand new. Do you know that your new body's already paid for? Yes, it is. It's already paid for by the blood of Jesus. And uh, that old body is likened to the resurrection body of Jesus. And that resurrection body, oh, man, it was recognizable. It was functional. He ate fish on the beach after the resurrection. I might be getting up a trip here pretty soon because that sounded pretty good to me. But at any rate, uh, it was recognizable, it was functional, and it was embraceable. You know, I, 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 I thought about uh, on the, the service where we recognized your mom and her life, that embrace of the Lord by, on his daughter, on his son. Now, look, um, that, what a day that will be. What a day. We're a spirit and a soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we live in a body. Our spirit man has been reborn. Did you know that when you received Jesus by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit placed you into the very life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you. And... um, you know, uh, the illustration we've been giving, uh, like, Dina, can we get the, uh, um, there we go, perfect. Um, Jesus Christ came to live on the inside of you through the, through the Holy Spirit. Your soul, your mind, your will and emotions is the problem because you're new, yeah, you're spirit man born again. Your spirit man has been born again. And uh, 
In our mind, we, ha- we find out, St. Corinthians chapter 10, that there are strongholds that begin to accumulate in the realm of our soul. They, they, they are in our mind, they affect our emotions, and they affect our will, our choices. And, uh, you know, we talked about some of those strongholds, and here's how we defined it. Your spiritual house, your spirit, your soul, inseparable but distinguishable, your spiritual house um, is a, we imagined a large living area where Jesus is the center of it. Jesus Christ owns your spiritual house. The Bible says you were bought and paid for with a price by the blood of Christ. He owns that spiritual house. Um, but there's, this is a pretty big house. There are upstairs and downstairs rooms. And some of those rooms, uh-oh, are you listening? Some of those rooms have, have uh, now gotten some intruders in them. What do you mean by that? Some rooms are in our spiritual house that Jesus hasn't allowed in. You say, well, pastor, if Jesus, what, know you not that you've been bought with a price, you're not your own, glorify God. If Jesus owns my spiritual house, how did intruders get into some of the rooms in my soul? Are you listening? Jesus is the owner of that spiritual house, but you are the resident manager. You have a say-so in who can go and come. Does that make sense? You don't own the house you've been bought and paid for, but you can invite or you can just neglect to close and lock the doors and windows, and intruders can come up some other way. Uh-oh. Uh, how many of you um, locked your house today before you left to come over here? Oh, my. Why would you do that? You don't want an intruder in there, Right? Well, Pastor, I've got faith. Yeah, but if you don't have wisdom, you might leave all your doors and windows unlocked. And uh, see, faith and wisdom work together. Um, In our spiritual house, those intruders are called strongholds. They are rooms that push against Jesus' access. Let me say that again. A stronghold is a pocket of resistance, a room in our spiritual house, in the realm of our mind, that pushes against the lordship of Jesus and and fights against him coming into that room and having total control over it. So here's a question we should all ask, and I ask the Lord, search me, O God. Show me any area where there's a stronghold that I don't even recognize. Any room in my spiritual house that you are not welcome, that I hadn't allowed you and your love and your light to come into and expose anything in that room that shouldn't be there. Um, pride might be a, a stronghold. You know, I just, 
I just don't want anybody to think inferior uh, in any way of me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put my spin on everything because I'm I want. And you know, a lot of times pride is born out of fear. We're afraid that if people look, we're afraid that if people really knew what we were like, they wouldn't accept us. Can I tell you something? Anybody who doesn't love you for who you are doesn't really love you. And the Lord might be doing you a favor to expose those who really don't love you. You just think they do. Because I want to tell you, you'll do better with those who really love you, and they, they won't leave you when you struggle if they really love you. I said, if you're struggling, people who really love you won't leave you. And uh, you'll be better off in the long run. Um, so recognize and give God. Look, can I tell you something? Somebody needs to hear this today. Stop grieving over those who have left you and start rejoicing on those who've stayed with you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Spirit of God. Stop grieving over those who've left you and start rejoicing and being grateful for those who stayed with you. Those are your real, true companions, inner circle. Amen. And you know what? You may have more of those than you think you do. <laughs> Amen. So these strongholds have to be identified. And uh, we said last time, uh, how, do we, how do we resist those? How do we break uh, their power? Well, we're, we're going to get that in a minute. But the main thing we have to learn to do is to quit living like somebody we're not. Romans 7, Paul says, if I do what I really don't want to do, I agree with the, with the spiritual standard of God, the law that it's good. But now... If I'm acting this way, it's no longer I, the real reborn me, but it's sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. See, I'm proud if I won't admit that. Nothing good dwells in that part of me that is not of God. Apart from you, Lord, I am nothing and can do nothing. Have you said that lately? It's the truth. Jesus said it. Don't you know? Apart from me, you're, you can do nothing. Uh, we, not, we ought not to just hear it. We ought to believe it. We are totally dependent on him. And that, that's the place of security right there. Total dependence on the Lord. If you could fix it, you had already done it. Depend on the Lord. Trust him. Obey him. Um, and I want to show you something in Romans 6. Turn, turn back with me, please, to Romans 6. Our problem is when we, when we want to tear down the strongholds, when we want to open the rooms of our souls for the Lord to have complete control, we for, a lot of times it's because we have forgotten who we are. Look at verse 5. 
If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self, who I used to be before Jesus, was crucified with him. That our old self was crucified with him. Did you know you were there? That's what I told you before we did communion. In God's holy legal eyes at the cross, you were there. Not to just pay for your sin, that had to be done, but to break the power of why we sin. We were there. We were crucified with. I love Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So we were there. In God's legal, righteous eyes, we were crucified with him to our old way of living, and we were raised, we were buried with him through baptism into death, and we were raised to walk in the newness of life. So in God's righteous eyes, we were not only crucified with him, but we were raised to walk in the newness of life. And you can look at those scriptures there in um, uh, Colossians 3 and other scriptures that I've got for you on your outline. But the problem with breaking strongholds begins in the fact that we're living under a mistaken identity. We, we don't really know who God says we are. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In God's legal eyes, Jesus took every one of your sin on himself, but he didn't stop there. God put the righteousness of Jesus into your account so that now those of you who are in Christ, what does Ephesians say, 1, 3 through 5? Thanks be to God who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, who's made us holy and righteous and blameless and loved and forgiven and accepted. All of the above in Christ Jesus. That's how God sees you. Our problem is we don't see ourselves the way God sees us because we really don't believe it. We don't act that way because we really don't believe it. I don't know, Pastor, I, don't, I have a hard time believing that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I know the way I think and the way I speak and the way I behave. This is not about the way you think, speak, and behave. This is who God says you are. And when this began to get into my consciousness many years ago because, my goodness, I had such a sin consciousness. What do you mean by that? I was constantly, constantly trying to dream up things that I might have done that I hadn't asked forgiveness for, and I constantly lived in a sin consciousness rather than a righteousness consciousness because I didn't believe what the Word says about me. This is not about your performance. This is about God's performance on your behalf. So when I begin to see that in the Word of God, that God saw me in Christ Jesus, I was so steeped in the sin consciousness that every morning when I decided I'm not going to live that way anymore, I'd get up, I'd look at myself in the mirror, and I would say, let me tell you something. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
And if you sin today, it's because you forget who you are. And the Lord says that you are holy and righteous and blameless and accepted because of what he did on your behalf. You didn't earn or deserve this. This is the way it is because God says this is the way it is. I had to tell myself the truth after 40-something years of lies. So the sin consciousness, Edric, didn't go away overnight, Stephen. It was a process of what the Bible says, getting you set apart to the truth. Because let me tell you something, until you start telling yourself the truth, you will never get free. You can't just wait on somebody else to always tell you the truth. You've got to tell yourself the truth. Because you know why? You believe yourself more than you believe anybody else. Tell yourself the truth from God's perspective. Those strongholds, pride, fear, um, anger. You know what anger is. It's... Um, it accumulates and causes resentment, and uh, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But um, we we talked about uh, strongholds of addiction and uh, lust and greed and um, all, all kinds of things that the Holy Spirit will have to identify. What's behind the door in your soul? Ask the Lord that. What's behind the door in those rooms of my soul, Lord? If you'll expose them, I will confess them. And ask you for your grace. See, not only does the Lord convict us of sin, he gives us the grace to walk out of it. Amen. But you know, there's a couple of strongholds that uh, we don't think much about. And uh, they are plaguing the body of Christ now. And um, especially since the pandemic and especially uh, since the incredible onslaught of social media. Um, I want you to turn with me to a passage that you don't hear many sermons preached on. Go to Romans 13. One of the strongholds that's going on in the body of Christ right now is criticism and rejection of authority. Chapter 13, verse 1, let every soul, everybody say, that's me. Every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed, appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist uh-oh, will bring judgment on themselves. Uh-oh. Years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I shared this on Sunday. And the Holy Spirit said to me in my inner man, you're getting into a dangerous place. You're removing yourself from protection and blessing. Lord, what was I doing? Criticizing the leaders of the country. A lot of people in the church nowadays don't like to hear this. Criticizing the leadership of the country. 
And God said, it doesn't matter to me whether you agree with them or not. They're not totally righteous. But I want you to know that when you criticize and condemn and reject authority, you're putting yourself at risk of uh, judgment. You're removing blessing, promotion, protection. Can you imagine what this government would look like if the president, the vice president, the cabinet, the congress, the governors, the mayors, can you imagine what this country and the judges would look like if every condemnation and rejection and criticism changed into a prayer for salvation and wisdom and protection? Can you imagine And see, the key to that is God's people. He ain't waiting on social media to figure it out. Starts with us. And like I say, it's not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God whether you voted for this one or that one or whatever. God says, regardless of who it is, you better do what I told you to do in the Word and pray for those who are in authority. I'll show you one other thing here. Turn with me to the back to Hebrews uh, chapter 12. You know, before we go there, I want you to turn all the way back to uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm messing you all up. I've got, all, I got so many scriptures here. I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go right, go left. Yeah, I'll get it together. Just pray for me. First Timothy chapter 2. You there? Okay, who, who was the human author behind the Timothy? The Apostle Paul, right? Um, therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, that means intensive prayers, Regular prayer, supplications, prayers, intercessions. What's an intercession? You're, you're praying on behalf of somebody else, right? That supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. All who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, so here's a question I have for us in the modern church today. Are we praying for all who are in authority? That we may live a uh, a peaceful and quiet life in godliness and reverence. And do we understand that it is God's desire for all men, including those you disagree with, to be saved? A lot of believers have a stronghold, and I had it myself until the Spirit showed me, you're hurting yourself. You're going to take yourself out of a place of blessing and protection. 
because all you're doing is criticizing the leadership. It's one thing to understand that there are that there are those who go against the biblical mandates of what we're to believe and teach. It's another thing to quit praying for people in places of authority. And when we don't pray for those in authority, even if we don't agree with them, we're making a serious mistake. Well, not too many amens on that, but I know it's true. It is um, a stronghold that we need to do something about. And, uh, you know, it just, it doesn't mean we have to disrespect those who don't get it. And it, it sure doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything. But can I remind you of something here? <laughs> Paul was telling everybody they needed to pray for kings and all who are in authority. Do you know who was a king and in authority? In Rome, where Paul was a citizen, a man named Nero. Guess who killed Paul, had him put to death? Nero. Paul's saying, pray for Nero. We have no excuse for not praying for those in places of leadership. And the Bible says there's a benefit if you pray for those in leadership that you may lead a peaceful and quiet life. I love peace and quiet. Amen. Another um, stronghold um, is called offense. Uh, the spirit of offense. Matthew 18 Verse 7 in Luke 17, 1 says, It is inevitable that offenses come. <laughs> Somebody's going to offend you. If you have a pulse, you're going to get offended in this world. You're not going to escape being offended. Somebody's going to hurt you. I wish I hadn't come to church to hear that. <laughs> you already knew that. <laughs> so you're going to get hurt. Right? It's inevitable. Hurts come. Hurts and offenses are not the same thing. Hurts can be the breeding ground for offenses. If somebody hurts you and it's not resolved, it will become the breeding ground for taking up an offense. So... <clears throat> Hurts are painful, but if they're not resolved, they turn into offenses. And I want to, uh, uh, now I want you to go with me to Hebrews, please, chapter 12, Hebrews 12. Offenses is when somebody hurts me and I take an offense and I hold on to it. If I have an if if I have the spirit of offense, my main desire is that somebody pays for how they hurt me. Let me say that again. 
I may have an offense as a stronghold in my life if my desire is that somebody pays for how they hurt me. What the Lord's trying to tell us through his word is offenses are traps. And you come over and the bait is they've hurt you. And it feels good to want them to pay. But as soon as you take that bait, there's a snare from the devil. And it's called carrying an offense. And um, in Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, I want you to see this if you don't hear anything else today. Pursue peace with all people. What about those who hurt you? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And holiness has to do with forgiveness. Look, listen, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. It's the grace of God that's going to give you the ability to let go of an offense. Lest, if I fall, if I fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. You know, I looked up that word defiled in the New Testament Greek. This is saying, if I hold on to a root of bitterness, I am going to defile many in my circle. It's going to, make, it's going to cloud the atmosphere of my business, my home, my church, my marriage. My, if I hold on to an offense, I'm going to defile many. And the word defile means poison. I'm going to poison my relationships. If I hold on to an offense, I'm going to poison my relationships. And many will be poisoned by me holding on because I'm going to tell people, I'm going to tell people how hurt I am and I'm holding on to an offense and that's going poison many. How many of you know that if somebody really loves you and you talk about how mistreated you are, you're going to make it hard on them. Right? Look, I've been a pastor a long time. You can't imagine how many insults and pains and disappointments. You, you, you can offend me, and guess what? You hurt me, I'm just going to forgive you. It's not worth holding on to. But if you hurt her, now I got a problem. What I'm trying to tell you is if you get offended and you're carrying a spirit of offense, you're going to contaminate and hurt others. Many will be defiled. Make sense? So what do I do? How do I deal with somebody who's offended me? Number one, ask the Lord to show you where you're holding on to that offense. Ask the Lord to show you 
where you've been hurt, but you have never really forgiven and released and prayed for blessing. Number two, ask the Lord to show you how he sees you. You're a son. He loves you. He's got a great plan for you. He has not given up on you. You're his daughter. You're precious to him. Ask the Lord to show you, how do you see me, Lord? You see, if you've been hurt or offended, God may be giving you the opportunity for extraordinary blessing through your personal growth. You're not going to grow unless you learn to deal with wounds and hurts and offenses. But God may be setting you up for a new era of ministry and blessing that you've never seen before. Ask the Lord to show you how he sees you and ask the Lord to show you how he sees the offender. Lord, how do you show the people that have hurt me? How do you see them? Do you love them? Do you want the best for them? Do you want them to be beat up or lifted up? How do you see those who have hurt me? And last, and I know this by experience because this is what the Spirit of God has enabled me to pray for people who have offended me. The Spirit says, will you pray the way I pray? And then the Lord takes me to the cross. He takes me to Calvary. And he says, Jesus saw you when he was at the cross. And he saw everybody that was murdering him. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. They don't really grasp the depth of what they're doing. They don't get it. Father, forgive them. They don't know how serious this is. Father, forgive them. If Jesus prayed that for you, and he is your Lord, then you can pray that for those who have offended you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Would you just ask the Lord to, whatever he's taught, teaching you out of the word today, would you ask him to let that just be life in you? Would you ask the Lord today to not only show you where that room of criticism, condemnation, um, the, that room of offense or hurt, would you invite him in there? Would you just sit down with him in that room in your own mind and heart and say, Lord, you know how badly this has hurt me. But I want to thank you that you have forgiven me You've given me the grace to walk through this in, in your name because you 
told me to, I hereby forgive those who have offended me. And Lord, every time that this pain comes back to me, I'm going to say, Lord, you've got this. In your name, I'm going to obey you. I forgive them in Jesus' name. I have your grace to do it. I release them. I won't hold them in this room hostage anymore. I'm opening the door to this room where I've held them hostage. I ask you to come in. Just take a minute now in prayer and just do business with the Lord. Thank you for being in church today. You know how much we love you. We pray for you every day. Forward to seeing you again soon. God bless you. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.